Amara Rahim uh, is one of ABC RN's top five arts residents. Now, for most of our top fivers, uh, what it means to be in residence is generally taken at, at face value. Amara, however, says that question of, of what it means to be in residence, indeed to be in anything. Well, that's a question that warrants closer conceptual attention. Uh, here she is in conversation with Susie Atterwill, Professor of Interior Design at the School of Architecture and Urban Design at RMIT University. What do Google Arts and Culture, the Bank of Melbourne, Brisbane Airport and a 400-year-old ancestral temple in China have in common? They all have artists in residence programs. So what does it mean to be in residence? Hello, my name is Amara Rahim. I'm a choreographer and a performer and a lecturer in dance at the Victorian College of the Arts. I'm also one of RN's top five arts residents in residence here at Blueprint for Living. My next guest is here to discuss the smallest of words with the biggest implications. Susie Adderwell is an interior design professor at Melbourne's RMIT University. She's more interested in making relations between inside and outside rather than positioning in and out as opposites, as either or. Thanks so much for chatting with me, Susie. Hi, Amara. Um, so when I look up the term interior design online, I get results such as how to choose the right colour cushions for my space or the best plants for different areas in my home. But for you, interior design is an expanded practice and it moves into the territory of philosophy and spatial relations and ways of thinking and inhabiting beyond the home or commercial interiors. What kinds of philosophies or practices influence your thinking about interiors? So I suppose the thing is, like, I don't discount the importance and value of choosing colours and plants. It's all part of interior design. And it's also all part of what you refer to as philosophy, really. I think it's the way, the way we live and how we create the environments for us to be able to live and that the smallest of details affect the way that we live. And so in terms of philosophies, I think that the significant difference with how I approach and think about interior design is to think about it as relational rather than as form and structure. And so it's the relations that we have within our environments I mean, I guess this is where there's a sort of philosophical point. So often we think about relations being between things, between a person and their surroundings. And indeed, that's how interior design is defined by the international body that represents all professional interior designers. As the practice of interior design is the determining of relations between people and space in relationship to psychological and physical parameters to improve the quality of life. Instead of thinking about relations as being between things, if we think about our world in a relational way, and it's, it's sort of touching upon this idea of ecology, and not necessarily only ecology as sustainability and green, but thinking how every species, every plant is part of a, an ecology, a system of relations. 
And those relations are just not produced by the thing living there, but is also relations that take shape because of a particular kind of living and inhabitation. I mean, this is a bit of a funny example, maybe, but I often think of a spider. You know, spiders are extraordinary creatures because they make webs and they make webs in all different kinds of places. And every web is distinct. No web is exactly the same because it's making different connections within the environment where it's setting that web. And that web enables the spider to, to live. It produces a degree of stability and settling, but it's also produced in the conditions within which it makes that web. When I'm talking about relations, that's how I sort of understand and see interior and interior designing as working within that kind of web of relations. And indeed, you know, ecology is often referred to as, as web-like, a web of relations. Do you consider yourself a designer? That's the first question. And if you are a designer, how do you design the relationship between an inside and an outside? Well, I think the proposition or the way that I think about design is it's really a shift from this idea that the designer is designing the relation. Okay. I mean, it's a big question because I think really how we design now there's, there's questions around how we move into this process of designing, for example. And some of the work that I'm currently doing is working with young people who have lived experience of residential care. And so it becomes much more a process of co-production. And I don't mean co-design, but how one works together in a group to arrive at a design. And that design is never fixed. I mean, it's always ongoing. Relations are not produced by people. This comes back to, again, big philosophical issues around shifting from an idea of phenomenology and the person at the centre that's producing their world to thinking about how somebody is in the world and the kinds of situations that they're in are contributing to the way that they are in the world. You know, the forces and power dynamics, all those sorts of things, you know, affect how we are and how we can be in the world. You know, this process of interior and interior designing is always this kind of folding of exterior forces and relations. So one is in, you know, a flow of relations that one interrupts and intervenes in and folds in order to create an interior as a way of being able to inhabit something. So that's perhaps only a bit abstract. But, you know, boats are really a ex great example of that. And there's, you know, the philosopher Foucault, who I mentioned to you. I mean, he talks about the boat as an interior in the exterior. You know, I guess this is where I push up against architecture because I think architecture is interior design. You know, it's a way how we can inhabit. It's thinking about it as an interior designing and interior making. So it's very different from this idea either of being from the inside out or, um, you know, having an image in your mind and closing because it's all, it's not just around the individual and the body, but rather it's how, how we are in an environment. And that's also producing how we are, how we can be and the things that we can do and not do. And when we move to other countries or other cultures, that again kind of shifts and other centuries, you know. What's an experiment that you might get your students to do to get interior design students to think about the word in? So 
the techniques that you choose, the way that what you choose to select and focus on, and the process of then making what I call an arrangement. All of these things produce that in. So the in is not something that already exists. And therefore, it's really critical for students. Like I ran a a studio elective called In and asked them to think about the various techniques that they might be using, such as perspective drawing. So perspective drawing is this idea of drawing from the viewpoint of a person and what they see. You know, one of the projects that I get the students to do is thinking about the techniques that they use. So perspective is an example. What it does invite them to think about is this idea of how one sees and gives value to certain things and how that's a technique rather than an actual truth, right? And so you can change that and have different perspectives. And this is with undergraduate interior design students. And then I ask them to think about, instead of thinking about a site, which then invites them to think about measurement and sight lines and, again, perspective, but to think about situation. The situation is much more of an immersive way of being somewhere, and the situation then involves not only observing people and movement, but also the weather, time of day, the effects of things, but also trying to capture sensations and effects. You know, this sense of like wherever we are, you know, we tend to inhabit places through the idea of, you know, habits and we need to have habits in order to feel settled somewhere. We need to understand where we are and, you know, that I can get up and go out the door over there rather than sort of everything always being in flux. But I think it's also important to realise that they are habits and that as an interior designer that one can sort of move in and understand those habits, but also shift them around a little bit. They're all kinds of different habits, right? So there's habits of living, which is, you know, getting up and having a shower, brushing your teeth, having breakfast, doing those kinds of things. And, and they're, they're habitual practices. And they're really important that we're not challenging those because people want to get up in the morning and go to work and so there's habit and repetition. So basically it's just repetitive acts that's habit and that they're really kind of key to how we live and to feeling settled, that we can live in this kind of way. But at the same time, I mean, it's it, people are open to having kind of shifts and changes to to parts of their lives and the way that they, they will do things. And sometimes it's really sort of critical when things become ingrained. Uh, you know, for example, I suppose one of the things that we're seeing very much now in a, as we're moving out of COVID and people's working uh, habits and how they've always worked in the past, you know, it was really disrupted very much by COVID. And all of a sudden people were having to work from their bedrooms, you know, run large companies or you know, you know I, was, I was running the university from my kitchen table, not running the university, but, you know, running a whole discipline and um, with over 600 students, you know, and 25 staff. So there was a big disruption to the working habits of people and including coming into the city and um, having a workplace to go to. 
you know, that's been disrupted. And I guess now there is so much work that's being done by designers and and others, employers and Melbourne City Council, working out how to come up with new habits, new ways of sort of introducing perhaps of a routine and repetition. Yeah, I mean, the the premise of in going away on in residence, going into a, a residency is like the whole historical idea is that artists would leave their homes, their habits, their ways of doing. They would go off into a, st- a studio in the rural countryside or somebody's home, another painter's home, and they would be influenced by the different light, the different setting, the different landscape, but also the social relations. Sure. Artists getting together and having dinners and talking about art and producing this new painting or this new method of painting or producing a kind of newness in in however. And I also think, you know, when I spend time with some of my colleagues who were doing a PhD, like I think of Sarah Jamison, who was a friend and a colleague, we did our PhDs at the same time, and Sarah's a designer. And like, I'll go into like a bar with Sarah, and Sarah would be like, so what do you think of the tiles? And I would realize when she said that, that I hadn't, I didn't even notice the tiles. I didn't notice the color green. I didn't notice the pattern. It's, it's not what I habitually saw. And she would draw my attention to the things that she habitually saw or had been trained to see. You know, and of course, what I bring to that conversation is that I invite her to lie down on the floor or like we, we, do headstands or, you know, we, we, we do things that, that change also her, uh, our bodies in time and space and place. I mean, I guess that's just what I've been trying, you know, like speaking about really is this, it's not just habits of seeing, but they're, they're relations. The things that you see around you, the things that you give value to and that you bring into your world as a way of you making sense and feeling settled. So it's not just habitual in a, in a negative way, it's actually the things that you select and that you give value to that make up your world. So the same with your example of Sarah. I mean, there's a different kind of sets of things that she notices. So the thing is, is not to see hab- habitual seeing as something that's a problem, but also just understanding that within any sort of situation that there's many, many different values and things. And, you know, we certainly, this diversity, really, of how people encounter and experience their surroundings is really important. You know, some of the work that I've been doing with autistics and neurodiversity, again, the things that would be noticed or picked up in this room, in this studio, very different. And it's not, it's not just that the person producing that it's the surroundings. So it's this, you know, like an environment of individuation, if you like. There's this ongoing process that's kind of producing a sense of how one is in a space. That was Susie Adderwell, a professor of interior design at the School of Architecture and Urban Design at RMIT University. I'm Amara Rahim, a top five arts resident here on ABC RN, and this is Blueprint for Living. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.